Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. We're going to invite you to stand up and have worship with us. We thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you are joining us online, we welcome you. We know that you have options, and so we are so excited that you would worship with Converge Church today. And so, church, we're going to be excited. Sometimes and over the years, we have gotten away from a few faith traditions. Today, if you did not know, is Pentecost Sunday. And so we have a lot to celebrate. Pentecost Sunday came approximately 40 or 50 days after Easter. And I'm going to read to you from the scripture a little bit of what that means. But Pastor Ray is going to come and, and, and break that down for us in the sermon. It says in Acts 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all on one accord. One translation says that the believers got together in the same place for the same reason, and that's us today. Verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. We are so grateful that God in His infinite wisdom isn't just God the Creator and Father. He did not just send Jesus as our Savior, but He sent the Holy Spirit who is a comforter, who is a teacher, who gives us power to do great things in the earth. So we're gonna celebrate that God just doesn't sit high as a Father. He didn't just send a Savior, but He sent us power by the power of the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We acknowledge that it is the day that you have made and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Holy Spirit, as we acknowledge you, we ask that you come and sit with us. You are welcome in this place. Have your way. We honor you. We look to you. And Heavenly Father, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for thinking enough of us, not just to be a father that would control us as a, a, an operator of robots, but you give us choice. And in that choice and choosing you, you have given us power. And through that power, we can have our savior. So we commit this time to you. Welcome Holy Spirit, be with us, teach us, and help us leave this place changed forevermore to your glory. It is in the precious, matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Let us worship together. Can we lift our hands all over the room as we think about the presence and the power of our God?
sing with me, here we go. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. Hey. This bag of bones, yeah, yeah. And I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting. A vagabond hey. And just when I ran out of road I met a man I didn't know And he told me that I was not alone Come on, say He picked me up And placed my
now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you that in you we are free. We thank you that we are able to get up out of the grave because of what you did for us. Because you rose out of the grave, we are able to get up. We are free. We thank you that you picked us up, that you turned us around, that you placed our feet on solid ground. We thank our God and our master. All thanks, all glory, all honor goes unto you. Father God, we thank you for your presence in this place. Have your way today. Your presence is already here. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. On this day of Pentecost, we yield to the leading and the guiding of you, Holy Spirit. Have your way today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your gift. Thank you for your power. Thank you for all that you are, the third person of our triune God. We thank you for your presence in this place, and we yield this service to you. It is all for an audience of one. We are in one place for one purpose, to worship you, to worship you and to lift your name up. Hallelujah. If you can, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. Good morning, Converge Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I am so grateful to be here to welcome you to Converge Live, our in-person worship experience. Converge Nation, we say good morning and hello to you. We pray that you feel the presence even through the digital airwaves that God is with you right where you are. Thank you so much for joining us today. As Pastor Wendy opened the service, she said, we realize that you guys have options, but we are grateful that each of you chose to spend a portion of your, mor your morning and your Memorial Day weekend with us. If this is your first time joining us, I want to tell you that we don't act like this all the time, but we do. So just come on in because like Olive Garden says, when you're here, you are family and we are grateful for you joining us. For our first time guests, if you want to stop by the Welcome Center at the end of the worship service, we just ask you to connect with our pastor. They want to be able to greet you and personally thank you for joining us here today. And we have a small gift for you, our way of welcoming you and saying thank you for joining us. We also have a few things that we want to make you aware of. The best way for you guys to stay connected with everything that God is doing in and through us here at Converge is to join us on social media. We have a few different platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at We Are Converge. And you can find us on TikTok at Converge Church. There's lots of great content. You'll stay in the know on everything that is happening. How many people in here are the parents of a student between 6th and 12th grade? Raise your hands. We have a few in the audience. And so those of you that do, you know that right now, Converge Students is meeting over in The Verge with our student leadership team. And you have probably heard firsthand, amen, the blessing that Converge Students is for our students. So if you have a sixth through 12th grader, but you're not, um, your student is not over there, we encourage you to have them join our student leadership team. Go and connect with them second and fourth Sundays at 10 a.m. We also want to make you aware of a few save the dates. The first thing is that starting next Sunday, June 4th, we have a missions opportunity for our local partner, Streetside Showers. Amen. We're going to have a towel drive. Uh, Streetside Showers serves our brothers and sisters that are currently experiencing homelessness in four uh, communities in Plano, 
Garland, Irving, and right here in McKinney. So we are collecting towels because they go through about 300 towels a month. And so if you'd like to participate, bring your new, not gently used, your new towels, hand towels, face towels, and body towels. And we have some receptacles in the lobby where you can drop them off. We'd appreciate your partnership because we want to be a blessing and donate about 500 towels to them. We also want to make you aware that on Sunday, June 11th is water baptism. So if you have made a first time decision to follow Christ, then this is for you. Or if you are a born again believer, but you've never been baptized through immersion, this is also for you. We have a QR code on screen. You can just scan that code, get all the details to sign up, and then we'll, we'll send all the details to you. The last thing I want to make you guys aware of is on Sunday, June 18th, we will be celebrating Father's Day, and I need y'all to give it up for my fathers, because the fathers of converged men are amazing. Amen, ladies? Amen. So we will be celebrating Father's Day. Our theme is suits and sneakers, so just come prepared. You don't have to go shopping. I'm sure everybody has sneakers and a suit. We can make it happen, but it's also one of our time-honored traditions of baby dedication. So if you have a new baby and you love to dedicate your baby to the Lord, we want you to do that as well. Send the details to admin at weareconverged.com. We'll get everything over to you about what needs to happen, but Sunday, June 18th is Father's Day, suits and sneakers, and baby dedications. That is all that I have for you guys, and next year we'll be joined by Pastor Jesse. Thank you guys so much. Amen, amen. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Converge Church. Are you ready? Look at somebody and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to praise God. I'm ready to love God. I'm ready to celebrate Jesus. That's why we're here to celebrate Jesus today. How many know what the day is? Pentecost Sunday. Amen. The day that we say, believe that the church was born. The day that God gave the Spirit of God, He released the Spirit of God to invade our temples. How many know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? And He said, out of you, say out of me, shall flow rivers of living water. That's mean the power of God, the Spirit of God is inside you, and we can release the Spirit of God no matter where we are. And so today we get to release obedience to the Spirit of God in the giving of our tithes and the giving of our offerings. Thank you so much for coming. We're glad that you're here. If you need an envelope, please raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. You can give by filling out this envelope in its entirety. Please do that. And please make sure that it's legible so that we can read what you write on the envelope. You can also give by texting 77977 and the dollar amount. You can also give it give by going to weareconverged.com and you can give online that way. You can also give by Zelle. If you have a Zelle account, you can go to your Zelle account. Make sure you use the accounting at we are accounting at weareconverged.com email address and you can also give by cash app. The Bible teaches us that we are to honor the Lord with everything that we have. Think about it. Honor the Lord with everything that you have. God blesses us with resources. God blesses us with life. He blesses us with great gifts. And so he's just saying, hey, honor me with your tithes and with your offerings. So we want to encourage you to do just that. God blesses us when we give. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so we're just asking you to be obedient here in Converge Church as we follow the plan and the program of God for resourcing his church. 
We've done many great things, and there are many more great things that we got to do. And God said, the Bible, as Pastor said, there is more. And the reason there is more is because God's got more for his people. And the more that we can obey the word of God, the more of his fruit that we'll see. I like Pentecost Sunday. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want to start. Okay, I'm going to sit down, Pastor. All right. Almost. Okay. All right. All right. We thank you for coming. Amen. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much. And we just take a moment and thank you for how you have blessed us. How you blessed us last week, this week, and how we can look forward to blessings in the future. We're believing and we're trusting, God, that we will see your plan fulfilled for this church. Help us, oh God, to be mindful, to be obedient. God, we need to be obedient from the head all the way down, God, to the people. We thank you, God. Help us to see the spirit of obedience and to do what you ask us to do. To always choose the wisest answer to every question. We're believing today that you bless us. We're believing today that we're going to see great things. And we're believing as we have received the word, there is more here at Converge Church. Thank you for your people today. Thank you for the tithes and offerings, almighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say together, amen. Thank you so much. How do we say thank you to those who gave everything? How do we honor the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom? We say thank you by remembering. Today we honor our heroes, lives given not in vain, but with purpose. We stand grateful for their courage, their strength, and their resolve. For the fabric of America is stitched together by the thread of the brave. Today, we remember, and we will never forget. a new song we're going to sing. It's called Where I'm Standing Now. It goes perfect with that. Out of the wilderness into your deliverance look where I'm standing now These hands that once were chained now lifted high in grace look where standing now look where I'm standing now I stand on the chain break miracle make powerful name of Jesus on the body raise radical save powerful name of Jesus
Jesus, my Savior, rescue me. Hallelujah, I'm free. Hallelujah, I'm free. Jesus, my Savior, rescue me. Hallelujah, I'm free. Are you ready for the word? Ah, let's try that one more time. I said, good morning, Converge Church. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Well, it is Pentecost Sunday, and we it's one of our traditions here at Converge Church that on Pentecost Sunday, uh, not only do we celebrate and commemorate uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but this day commemorates the birth of the church. 2,000 years ago, God saw fit that 50 days after Easter after the resurrection that he would pour out his spirit on 120 Christ followers who were gathered in this modest, unassuming, nondescript upper room and the spirit of God fell upon these 120 faithful believers and today we have the church 2,000 years later. It speaks volumes to what is possible with this group that's gathered here this morning, that if God could change nations, 
and changed the world with 120 people who were faithful to the Great Commission, how much more can and will he do through those of us who are gathered here this morning? Amen. We believe that for our church. We believe that for you. And as I mentioned earlier, it's one of our traditions here at Converge Church to spend time teaching about the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you who are unsure, let me make it crystal clear. We are charismatic in our theology, meaning we believe that the gifts of the Spirit belong to the church today. The outworking of the Spirit belongs to the believer today. Uh, secondly, we are continuationists in our theology, not cessationists. He said, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? There's two schools of thought. In theology, there are those who believe that the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, ended when the last apostle died. We believe that God was wise enough, faithful enough to recognize that the same power they needed to win in life is the same power you and I need today. So we believe that God continues to do what he did back then. In fact, we are the Acts 29 church, meaning when you read the Gospels or the book, the Bible, you'll find that the record of the early church ends with Acts chapter 28. We're in Acts chapter 29 church, meaning that God continues to write the story of his church through us today, 2,000 years later. Amen? So, over the next several weeks, and let me be very specific, over the next 10 weeks, Amen. over the next 10 weeks, we're going to discover what God's Word has to say, like Andrea said, about this third person of the Godhead. Many of us are familiar with what the Scriptures have to say about God the Father. Uh, most of us have encountered Jesus the Son, but not many of us have experienced the power and the presence of the third person of the Godhead, who is the Holy Spirit. Amen? Uh, nothing to be afraid of. Uh, he is God. Amen? And we're going to discover what the Scriptures have to say about the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Last year, we did a, a series called Ghost Stories, and we examined God's Word and discovered uh, the, the chronicles of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, not just Old Testament, but also New Testament. Uh, this year, with this series, we're going to talk more specifically about the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer so that you and I uh, bear, bear much fruit that brings glory to God. Amen? We're going to spend most of our time in Galatians chapter number 5, Galatians chapter number 5, and we're going to unpack what it looks like to bear the fruit of the Spirit. If we say that we follow Christ, there ought to be evidence in our lives. You and I ought to bear a distinction that separates us, that distinguishes us from the world. That people ought to identify through our character and how we live that there is something different about him and about her. That we bear in us the marks of Jesus. So over the next 10 weeks, we're going to unpack Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to look at each fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about love. 
We're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about patience. How many can use a little bit more patience in their lives right now? We're going to talk about what it looks like to, to walk in, here it is, kindness. Here's another one, gentleness. And here it is, not just faithfulness, but self-control. For the scripture declares that a man who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city with broken down walls susceptible to attack. And so this series is going to help us examine what it looks like to walk in Christ-like character, allowing the Holy Spirit who indwells us to help us manifest the fruit of the Spirit in every area of our lives. Amen? The title of this sermon series is Fruition, and today it's going to be introductory in Galatians chapter 5. And then over the next nine weeks, we'll look at one fruit of the Spirit each week. I encourage you to be here. Because the Scripture says in John chapter 15, Herein is our Father glorified. How is God glorified in our lives? Herein is our Father glorified that you bear much fruit. How do we glorify God in our lives? We bear fruit. And Jesus said that you bear much fruit, fruit that will remain. That your fruit will outlive and outlast you. Are you with me? And so for this series, I have enlisted the help of my friend. Uh, he's no, well, he's kind of new to Converge Church. Uh, we got to hear him minister on Good Friday and uh, just a powerful powerful exhortation that he shared with us. Uh, he's an able minister of the gospel, an effective communicator of the word. In fact, for a number of years, he's been an instructor, a teacher at Christ for the Nations in doubt. L listen, let me just stop there for a second. There's sometimes when I just wake up in the morning and I'm just amazed at how much God loves Converge Church. Amen. When I consider the quality of people, the caliber of people that he's sending to put roots down here. Yeah, humbled. Humbled. And again, as pastor, I, I, I have the privilege to, to meet some of these people that God's sending. Listen, there are, there are history makers sitting in this room right now that hopefully in the near future some of you will get to meet. One of them is here with us this morning. Uh, pastor Eric Holler is here with us this morning. And uh, we're honored to welcome him. Let's give him a rowdy, loud and proud Converge Church welcome as he comes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. If you're wondering what all that excitement is about, it's, one of, it's, it's just the culture of our church. It's not just the culture of our church. It's biblical and scriptural that we give honor. To whom honor is due. Can I just stop for a second and say honor is something that you express, not because of how they are, but because of who you are. 
that you can continue to show honor to people, not just because they've done everything well, but because of who you are as a choice that you make because of who you are and how you're wired. And so here at Converge Church, man, we give honor to whom honor is due, man. It's part of who we are and the way that we're wired. May I also submit to you that if you're from a different faith tradition, if you're from a different faith tradition, uh, we encourage you uh, to hang with us. Uh, we're going to examine the Word, and the Word of God will inform everything we say and everything that we teach. For some of you, you come from faith traditions like myself. I grew up Episcopalian, and this whole idea of Pentecost was new to me. Not only did I grow up Episcopalian, I also attended a Southern Baptist boarding school my high school years. Uh, most Baptists are cessationists, and here I am, having been indoctrinated in the traditions of the Episcopal Church and Baptist traditions I am now, unapologetically, wholeheartedly, charismatic from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Don't get me started, Andrew. Make him stop. Glory to God. He, 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 see, see, see what he's doing to me? Come on, Andrew. No, 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 no. Hey! All right, we're going to dive into the Word. Pastor Eric, I'm honored. I'm honored that you're, you're joining me uh, on this journey in God's Word. Uh, we're going to land in Galatians chapter 5. But before we do that, we're going to examine quickly Acts chapter 2 uh, that gives us this narrative, this account of what happened on the day of Pentecost, uh, approximately 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, approximately. Uh, some say 40, some say 50, some count the actual uh, crucifixion of Jesus as day one, uh, uh, some count the resurrection, uh, but somewhere between 40 and 50 days, uh, we know that the word penta uh, is where we get five, approximately 50, so pentagon, Pentecost, and historically, uh, this was a, a Jewish high holiday that was celebrated annually when pilgrims came to Jerusalem 50 days after Passover. Uh, it continues in Acts chapter 2 uh, where these pilgrims gather in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and something supernatural happens and the church is born. So we're going to land there. Is there anything you'd like to say by way of introduction before we look at the text about yourself or about uh, what we're about to do. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> glad, glad to be here with you today. I'm honored to sit in this seat with this man and uh, to be able to just have this opportunity. It's, it's a blessing. So y'all get ready because it's going to be great. Amen and amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, uh, it is one of our anchor texts, especially today on the day of Pentecost where we commemorate what happened 2,000 years ago when the church was born. Remember, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, told his disciples, don't go out preaching just yet. I know you're anxious to do it. I know I've given you this great commission to preach the gospel everywhere, but don't attempt to do this in your own power or in your own strength. He says, tarry, which means wait. Wait in Jerusalem until you be endued from on high with the power of the Holy Spirit. In obedience to that instruction, now remember, as you read the text, Jesus appeared to more than just 120. In fact, when you read 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 15, it says that he appeared to as many as 500 in one single setting. Notice how many were in the upper room. 
only 120. Even though Jesus had instructed a whole lot more than 120. There were only 120 who made it to the upper room in obedience to what Jesus had instructed. Now notice that the scripture says they were all together with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were. May I submit to you that some things in life can happen simultaneously, but there are some things in life that can only happen sequentially. That there are certain things that will happen in your life when they happen in the proper order. A lot of times people say, listen, I want a suddenly of God. I want God to just show up and invade my situation and circumstance. And what we often ignore is the sequence that preceded the manifestation and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There were certain conditions that were created for the suddenly to happen. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Number one, they were all together in one place. If you want Holy Spirit to show up, he will show up where there's unity and where people are in one accord. Number two, they were all in one accord, listen to me, praying. Which when you talk to most Christians, like, uh, what's that? Doesn't God know what I need? But notice, they were all together in one place, on one accord, on the same page, and it created a place. It created a space for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And the scripture says, in verse number three, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pastor Eric, jump in. Uh, that's, I love Acts chapter 2. It says that they were all filled and began to speak. And there was an immediate reaction to being filled with the Spirit. It affected something about them. It says they spoke with other tongues, which means having the Spirit's influence in your life is going to give you a new language. You're going to talk different. It's going to affect your words, and which is incredibly important because we understand from the book of James that your life follows your tongue. Absolutely. Right? So the Holy Spirit comes and he helps influence you and give you an utterance, gives you his word, his divine revelation to declare into the earth, not only in your own life, your family, but into the earth itself. And uh, so that, that part is extraordinary to me. Can I say something about verse four? Absolutely. Uh, where it says, uh, what does it say? <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah. I love that word utterance. We were talking about this. We were. It's, a, it's a Greek word about this long. As a matter of fact, if you can pronounce it, you might just start speaking in tongues. <laughs> um, it, it's apoptegomai, it's but here's the definition of it. Uh, not a word of everyday speech, but yeah. one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Come on. Think about that. Power. Not a word of everyday speech, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. What's I find kind of humorous about that is it sounds loony. Right. Speaking in tongues, you, you can't, your mind's not getting it. But the Bible calls it dignified 
an elevated discourse. Yeah. But this set them on a course. It did. Uh, from that day uh, to change the world, like you said earlier. Absolutely. And, and our conversation over the next 10 weeks is going to extend just beyond this manifestation where they were given this supernatural language. The focus of this series is going to revolve around cultivating Christ-like character yeah. in the life of the believer. Listen to me, for us charismatics in the building. It's not about how loud you shout when you're shouting. It's about how straight you walk mm -hmm. when you're walking. There are a lot of things that we could do to get everybody riled up and emotional and make you shout. What matters more and what matters most to Christ is the evidence of the outworking of the Holy Spirit that just goes beyond a supernatural language, a supernatural utterance, which in and of itself is a sign from God, mm -hmm. but it extends beyond that. Right. In fact, Jesus didn't say people will know that you are my disciples indeed by your tongues. He said the evidence that you are my disciple is your love, yes. the fruit of the Spirit. And even though we're going to talk about these manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit, the charisma or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the focus is going to be our fruit. The fruit that we bear in our lives as Christ followers. Yes. If you and I were to be convicted for being Christians, would there be enough evidence for a guilty verdict? Is the question. When people examine our love walk, the level of peace that we walk in? Or are we just as, in much, as much distress as everybody else? A friend of mine told me one time he was trying to witness to somebody, and, and, and because of how his, how, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How, uh, let me put it this way, because of all the, 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 what am I trying to say? Because of all the mess in his life. This is what the guy said that, he, that my friend was witnessing to. He said, how about Jesus be good to you first? Yeah. Evidence. Somebody said, your life speaks so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Fruition. Oh, yeah, man. We, we, we can get down with, with the tongues and the, the, the charismata of God. But in addition to that, there ought to be evidence that we are under the influence. Yes. And that's the title of today's message, that we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Are y'all with me? So powerful uh, what you just shared about utterance. It's an elevated speech, elevated language, not the typical glossolalia, which means languages and tongues, mm -hmm. but this special utterance that God gave the disciples on the day of Pentecost. But here's something else that they saw. In verse number 12 of Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to get in, into Galatians chapter 5. Um, in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 12, it says, so all the people were amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And then others said, mocking, these folk drunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they've been sipping on that ripple. <laughs> that mad dog, 2020. <laughs> y'all laughing like y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
That old Milwaukee. Come on, somebody. <laughs> My wife said focus. Okay, let me bring it back home. <laughs> when they saw... <laughs> y'all ain't always been saved. Is that what y'all saying? Come on, somebody. Uh, listen, when they saw the outpour... These people looked like they were crazy. They, they, they thought these people were drunk. Mm -hmm. And Peter gets up. And this is what Peter says. In verse number 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, meaning 9 a.m. These folks ain't drunk. It's only 9 o'clock. But he explains that this is a prophetic manifestation of what Joel spoke centuries before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's saying this is a God thing. He's saying God is all over and all up in this thing, and it is a fulfillment of what was declared prophetically through the prophet Joel. Notice verse 16. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit on a few folk. That I will pour out my spirit on the pastors and the, the prophet and the, no, upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Notice verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. And God said, his spirit would be poured out upon all flesh. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. That power is available to each of us today. Amen. Amen? There was something you were going to say? No, sir. Oh, really? Amen. Okay. All right. I, I, listen, I'm trying to be good to you. Listen, whenever I stop, that's a good opportunity for you to jump in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey, just wait for that pause, that natural pause. That's a good opportunity for you to, it's like, it's like double dutch. Because this church, y'all know, y'all know how Pastor Ray rolled. All right. So just jump in whenever. Okay. But this is on the day of Pentecost. They looked like they were drunk. They were under the influence mm -hmm. of something over which they really didn't have much control. Yeah. Uh, I was doing the research as I was studying. Approximately four million, four million, that's about 2% of the population has been arrested for a DUI, wow. driving under the influence. According to the, uh, I, I think it's the U.S. State Highway, whatever it's called, I forget now, but about 4.2 million Americans at one point or at some point in their lives have been stopped for driving under the influence, about 2% of the, the population. Sorry to think about some of the characteristics uh, in other people's lives when they've been under the influence. Uh, let me just tell you all straight up. Whenever I was under the influence, 
You're like, no, not you, Pastor Rick. It was my BC days, my before Christ days. Just, to, just so y'all know now. Everybody in this room got a pass. Uh, there are a lot of characteristics when you're under influence. Well, one of the things that was characteristic for me, Pastor Eric, is I wasn't in control. I relinquished control of my judgment and even my actions to the substance that I took. Are y'all with me? And the degree to which I yielded to that substance determined how much control that substance had over me. Are y'all with me? There's a certain influence that it had when it was just one drink versus two. But the more I ingested, the more I released control to the substance I yielded to. Are you with, do you hear what I'm saying? Liquid courage. Liquid courage. There was a second thing that happened, and that was that boldness and that courage that came. Notice what Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says. We're going somewhere with this. Ephesians chapter 5 says, listen, it says, do not get drunk on wine. Don't get it twisted. This is not an endorsement of, 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 of wine or alcohol. In fact, the scripture says explicitly, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That word debauchery literally means reckless living. If you allow yourself to get under the influence of the wrong things, it will lead to wrong outcomes, such as reckless living. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The literal Greek means be inebriated continually in the Spirit's fullness. You know what that means? Everybody here in this room ought to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit and be continually inebriated, overtaken, surrendering our judgments to the presence and the influence of the Spirit's fullness. In fact, in the original Greek, it literally means be being filled. Be being filled, meaning it's not just allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you once. It means living continually under the influence, under the workings, the power, yielding ourselves completely to the Holy Spirit who indwells us so that we are inebriated continually in the Spirit's fullness. It happened on the day of Pentecost. Paul admonishes the church to live in that same place where the Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, and informs our decisions and our actions so that we can begin to live a fruitful life. So this is where we're going to land in Galatians chapter 5, which is the anchor text for the duration of this series. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 and other places in Scripture for the next 10 weeks. All right? Take us into Galatians chapter 5, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we'll start to read in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Mm. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Mm. So that you do not do the things that you wish. You know, when I was growing up in church, uh, I, I can remember um, uh, my father was my pastor most of my life, but earlier than him being a pastor, we had an, a few other ones. And, uh, but I, I can remember hearing this, you're saved, but that doesn't mean you can just go do whatever you want. Mm. But I kind of find it interesting that the Bible says you're not able to do what you want because something's hindering you. Mm. And the question that we have to ask ourselves concerning this particular passage is, where are you in this passage? Good. Because this is one of the most, most important verses for the believer to get a revelation of. And it really is about who you are. Good. Because we're going to be talking about bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, but you really can't know how or what to do if you first don't know who you are in Him. Good. Right? Good. So this says that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and they're contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Mm. So who are you mm. here? Who are you identifying with in this passage? Do you, if you identify with the flesh, then it's going to be the spirit that's bothering you and irritating you. Right. But if you identify with the spirit, mm. you, re, you understand that's who you really are. Come on. And the flesh is the issue. Mm. It's, it's the problem. You're not the problem. I'm going to say that again to you believers. You're not the problem. So good. The flesh is the problem. And, it, and it, it's that thing that hinders us from doing what we wish. Because here's the thing. I learned just, just from reading Paul's uh, letter, uh, you know, his writing, Romans chapter 7, he says, he, can we bring that up right quick? Sure. Is it okay if we do yeah. that? Romans 7, can we bring that up? Um, verse 15. Is hear what he says here in this passage because this, for me, this is very encouraging because I feel like I was telling Pastor, I feel like Paul kind of walked into the living room of my life here. Uh, and, and he says, For what I am doing, I do not understand. Mm. <laughs> my wife would tell you that's true about me. But, but, <laughs> but what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Come on. Verse 16. Well, I love this. If, I, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law. It is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, mm. but what? Sin. Sin that dwells in me. To me, that sounds like a cop-out. I, I wish I'd known that verse as a kid when it was time to get my backside whipped. Dad, right, right, right. right. <laughs> uh, Dad, Dad, it's not me. It's the sin that's doing it. It's the sin. <laughs> but we, gotta, we, gotta catch, we have to catch this revelation, though. Believer is so important. Because yeah. here's, here's Paul teaching us about what the, the born-again spirit looks Come like, Come on. What, what it, how it functions. Mm. And he says, for uh, it is no longer, but sin dwells, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, now he's making it clear for us, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to form what, perform what is good, I, I don't find. In other words, I cannot find it through the efforts of this flesh. Come on. I have the, I have the will to do it, yeah. but I just can't seem to make it happen. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. The evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, again, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Mm. I find then a law, and this law is important, 
evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Mm. I'm not the problem. You're not the problem. Uh huh. It's the evil that's present. It's called this flesh. Welcome to being a justified spirit living in an unglorified body. Come on. Yeah. 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 (laughs) For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Mm. So this is what we're saying. Paul says we we no longer regard anybody according to the flesh. Right. Because we are different now. You know, being being a a sinner and being saved by grace are two different things. I don't like the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I was a sinner. Right. And then I got saved by grace. Good. And, 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 and the spirit is now reborn, connected to the Lord. As Corinthians says, he was joined to, the, or yeah. joined to the Lord as one spirit with God. Come on. Right? So now you have the right desire. That's why uh, if you sin, there's, there's a grieving that happens. Absolutely. Right? Well, well if, you weren't, if you didn't have that born again spirit in you, you wouldn't grieve over that. Right. But the very fact that you have this turmoil says, no, this is not you. Huh? So we need to be free as believers Absolutely. to do what we wish apart from the deeds of the flesh, that the flesh will have no hindering power. Amen. Amen. No, that's powerful, man. That's powerful. Uh, and so what, what do we do with this, right? Uh, this new understanding, right? Uh, because we have to see Uh, this new identity that we have in Christ. That's where it begins, right? Who and what we identify with. Jesus said it this way. He said, the spirit indeed is willing. Mm -hmm. The flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And and, and so there's a part of who we are. We are spirit, soul, and body. There's that part of us, our spirit, that's born again, that delights in doing God's will. But the flesh is weak. So we have to live from this place, this new identity Mm -hmm that we have in Christ. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. Um, my, my, my father used to give this just a little illustration about if you have two apples, one is crispy and ripe, and then you have one that is rotten. But you plant both of those apples in the ground, which one is going to produce a tree? Both, because the seed is in that apple. Both are going to produce a tree. Uh, 1 John 3.18 says, we cannot sin. Whatever's been born of God does not sin and cannot sin because his seed dwells in him. So, I mean, this is why we want to bear good fruit, because we got a good seed in us. Huh? We got a good seed. It'd be a bummer to be a rotten apple for Jesus. <laughs> a rotten apple huh? for Jesus. <laughs> He's called us to so much more. And, and this, yeah. this bearing fruit is not a striving. It's not a performing. Yeah. It's a living. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's yeah. a flow yeah. in the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. No, very good. Very good. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk yeah. about that because we want to give, uh, we want to give you some tools uh, to begin to live out what this looks like when we say, uh, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yes. It begins, uh, well, let's talk about fruition, right? First and foremost, let's define what that is uh, for context, right? For what we're yes. going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Uh, fruition is defined 
as the point at which a plan or a project is realized. I don't know about you, but whenever I put my hand to something, if I have a plan or a project, man, there's so much joy that comes when that project or that plan is fulfilled or realized. Yeah. We say the plan came to fruition. God has a plan for each of our lives, and part of his plan is to bring those plans to fruition or to completion in our lives. Psalm 138 and verse 8 said that God will perfect everything that concerns us. But here's the second definition for fruition, the state or action or of producing fruit. The state or action of producing fruit. That w that's where God wants us to live as Christ followers. He wants us yeah. to live in this state of producing fruit. And it's not necessarily something we do, it's who we are because of our new nature in Christ. Yes. We're going to talk about that here in a second. But when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, this is what that life begins to look like, right? Yeah. Uh, number one, uh, we talked about this when we were preparing, right? Uh, it's important to live from our identity, not our image. Yeah. Yeah. There is a difference between identity and image. Image is what people see. It's what we project. Identity is who you really are. And our identity is rooted and it's established in Christ. We are his image bearers. And instead of living from a place, listen, that is external because image is defined as a representation of the external form of a person or a thing. Image is the general impression that a person, organization, or product presents to the public. It's what everybody else gets to see. Yet most of us aren't living from our identity, who we really are in Christ. Notice John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. This is our identity. To those who believe in his name. But notice verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. Meaning that when you were born again, when you trusted Christ and invited him to be your Lord and Savior, you were born of God. Yes. You took on the DNA of God. And that's why 2 Corinthians, uh, 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 what is it, 2 Corinthians, uh, uh, what does it say? If any man be in Christ, yes, he's a new, yeah. he is Second a Corinthians new 520. creature. 520. 520. 520 and 21. Yes, yes. 517. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. That's the Bible scholars. Never mind. I love it. If any man or any woman be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Yes. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You have a new identity yes. in Christ. Yes. Yeah, we're not, we're not just refurbished. Come on. We're not, we're not just improved. Right. We're a brand new creation. So All good. things have become new. All things have become new. Yeah. And when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we begin to live from that place. Yes. Where we're not driven by image. We're driven by this identity 
like you said, that we're not refurbished. We're brand new. We're brand new. Mm. I think the next thing it does is when you recognize that you have a new identity, you begin to bear fruit instead of works. Mm. Mm? Yes, sir. Uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But notice Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. It says, but now the works of the flesh are evident. But then it goes on to verse 25 and says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. The flesh is driven by works, but the Spirit produces fruit. Mm. There's a big difference because one comes as a result of our performance and the other comes as a result of our partnership with Christ. Yes. One is a result of our effort and what we do, and the other is a direct result of what the Spirit of God does in us and then through us. It is the evidence that we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not our works, but our fruit. Notice what the Scripture says here, uh, or the definition of that word works is a Greek word ergon, which means uh, deeds or labor with an emphasis on our work or effort. Mm. Mm. The emphasis in Galatians 5.19 when he says works is about our labor, our effort, what we do in our own strength and in our own ability. Mm. But in Galatians 5.22, the Greek word there is karpos, and it speaks of fruit, that which originates or comes from something an effect or a result. What does that mean? Fish are just going to swim because that's what fish do. Birds are going to fly because that's what birds do. Christ followers are going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit because that's who we are. It is now our divine nature that finds expression through our lives, not because of our works, but we allow the Holy Spirit to live big in us. Are y'all tracking what I'm saying? That's why John the Baptist said it this way. I must decrease, he must increase. And so when we talk about bearing the fruit of the Spirit, it is the idea of allowing the Spirit of God who lives in you to now live through you. Less of me, more of him. None of me, all of him. And so walking in the Spirit is allowing our lives to yield so much to the Holy Spirit that he takes over and all that's left is the Holy Spirit living through us, not our flesh, our works, or our effort. Pick it up from there, sir. That's exactly right. And Paul taught in Philippians, he, he gives that very thought that he said, I was the best of the best. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And, and when it came to the law, I was blameless concerning all of those commandments. Can you imagine uh, being that stellar? Didn't break any commandments. I was blameless. And he said, but these things I figured out don't mean a thing but to know Christ. Because he said, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. He said, the, what he's saying is the best I could attain to was self-righteousness. Yeah. Keeping all the rules, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, 
I only arrived at self-righteousness. That's the best I could get. But the righteousness of faith in Christ, well, that's a whole different deal. That's the real deal. And when you're fruiting, you're really being the real you. It's good. Works of the flesh is, is inauthentic to who you are. I know you got more. Keep going. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I was locked in. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. just going back for one second. In yeah. John chapter 12, Jesus, uh, these Greeks want to come see him. It, it's feast time. And these Greeks want to come see him. So they, they come up to Philip, his disciples, and says, uh, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip goes and gets Andrew. It's kind of interesting how John goes through all these details um, about Gentiles wanting to see Jesus because Jesus made it clear I'm not here except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And uh, so th they're asking, and, and then Jesus replies <laughs> in a very interesting way. So Andrew and Philip come to Jesus to say, will you meet with these guys? C can you bring up verse 23 right quick of John 12? John 12, verse 23. I'll just start reading it. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Mm. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So good. So let's put ourselves in Philip and Andrew's shoes for just a moment. So is that a yes? Mm. <laughs> that was a nice poem, Jesus, but you didn't answer the question. Yeah. Uh, he did answer the question. Mm. He said, the seed mm. that's going to produce mm. me in this earth mm. has to die. Mm. And God set this rule up a long time ago. The seed produces after its own kind. So God sowed his son's seed. Good. The only begotten of God. But when he came up out of that grave, he became the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Which what, what that saying is, if the, since the seed produces after its kind, you are just as much a son of God as Jesus is. Mm. Woo. So good. Lord, help so us good. get that revelation. Yeah. Yeah. And let it stick. Yeah. So that we'll live accordingly. Mm. Mm. So three things. Uh, when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we live from our identity, not an image. When we live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we don't live by works, but we produce fruit. And then the third thing we talked about is it's a direct result of our partnership with Christ, not our performance for Christ. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? It's not about your performance for Christ. It's your partnership with Christ. And notice Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, as we prepare to close, um, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. He's saying something, something uh, 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 incredible happened when I invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior. I was crucified with him. Yeah. My old nature, my old man was nailed to the cross. Yeah. He says, it is no longer I who live. But Christ now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, notice what he says. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, 
the Passion Translation helps us understand what Paul is saying a, a little bit better. It, it's sort of amplified uh, what he's saying. The Passion Translation of the same verse, Galatians 2 and 20 says, My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ. And notice what it says, that old identity no longer lives. That old me, that was nailed to the cross with Jesus. We're still struggling with it because we're like, well, I still see that old me pop up every now and then. Right? But the truth is, that old you was nailed to the cross. And he says, because I'm born again, the essence of this new life is no longer mine. Remember, we decrease so that he can increase in us. This new life that I live is no longer mine for the anointed one. Listen to this. The anointed one lives his life through me. Jesus wants to live his life through you. You are his vessel that allows him to animate in the earth. We live in union, notice, as one. My new life, listen to me, my new life is empowered. Not by my faith, but by the faith of the Son of God hmm. who loves me, loves, who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. Hmm. Notice the next phrase, dispensing his life into mine. Listen to me, you and I already have everything we need to live a life that brings glory and honor to Jesus. Yes. And the degree to which we surrender to him determines the, the degree to which we will bear fruit. Yes. He wants to give expression of himself in your life. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? The ability to love the unlovable? Jesus said, let me do that through you. The peace that you need in conflict and storms, Jesus says, I live in you and let me live my life through you. Meaning, I want to give you the ability to experience peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus is saying, when you recognize that your identity is all wrapped up in me, you will no longer have to perform your way into my approval. All you will need to do is yield to my power that's already in you. It is understanding partnership with Christ over performing for Christ. L listen to me, listen to me. Uh, you've heard me share this before, but there's a curious phrase in the Gospel of John. And that curious phrase in the Gospel of John, it, it appears a few times. And the reason it's curious is because the writer of the Gospel of John says, referring to himself, the disciple that Jesus loved. Mm. This is how he self-identified. Now, now, most of us would think, man, that's pride. If I'm writing the story of Jesus right. and I'm talking about myself, I ain't talking about everybody else, but I single myself out and I call myself, hey, bro, 
You're the disciple that Jesus loves. Talking about yourself. Most of us would call that pride. But there's another disciple who pledged his unfailing fidelity to Jesus. He says, in fact, Jesus, when Jesus said, listen, I'm going to go to the cross, this, 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 this is what he said. He said, not on my watch. It ain't going to happen on my watch. Jesus, he ain't going to the cross. And guess what happened to these two men? That second character was Peter. Peter says, Jesus, you ain't going to die because I love you that much. John says, Jesus loves me. Peter says, I love Jesus. John says, Peter loves, uh, John says, Jesus loves me. Peter says, I love Jesus. Now look at the different outcomes in the two men's lives. When Peter was confronted three times for knowing Jesus, what did he do? He denied Jesus. Because our love for him our claims of how much we love him, our performance into his approval can and will fail. But notice John the Beloved. Y'all excuse me while I pull my jeans down a little bit. They went too high. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Live big through me, Jesus. Right? Notice, notice, notice the response of John the Beloved. Not trying to tell Jesus, this is how much I love you. But the one who rested in the fact that Jesus loved him. He is the only disciple. The only disciple that went all the way to the cross with Jesus. All these other jokers that follow Jesus, even James and, and John, the sons of thunder, who wanted to call down thunder from heaven? When the rubber met the road, all of them fled. And the only one who walked with Jesus all the way to the cross was not the one who claimed how much he loved Jesus. It was the one who understood how much Jesus loved him. And if you and I, listen to me, if you and I, are going to live this life and allow the Spirit of God to live big within us, it cannot be our performance for Him. It has to be our partnership with Him. Recognizing that the Spirit of God lives in us. And the more we yield to Him, all of me, none of Him. Some of me, some of Him. None of me, all of him. And as we examine the fruit of the Spirit, you and I will realize that when we take ourselves out of the way and say, Jesus, you live big in me by your Spirit, you will discover how much easier it becomes for you to love people that are hard to love. Because it is now Jesus living his life through you. Your flesh out the way. You're living out of your new identity that you have in Christ, which has a disposition and a proclivity to love the way Jesus loves. Yeah. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good stuff. To 
have peace in the midst of storms. You know why you're going to be able to do it? It's because you take your flesh out of the way, which was nailed to the cross, and now you assume your new identity in Christ, which says to storms, peace, be still. You carry that same spirit. That same spirit that was upon Jesus lives in you. Listen to me. Listen to me. When you and I take ourselves out of the way and we stop performing our way into his approval and we say, Jesus, here it is, when we start living from the inside out. You know what's going to happen? That same self-control that Jesus demonstrated when they were lying on him, when they were calling him Beelzebub, Uh, on the road to the cross when they were hitting him while he was on the cross when he said I have the power to get myself off this cross that same spirit that was upon Jesus where he exercised self-control and restraint that same spirit lives in you you, that same spirit that same spirit that will allow you to turn the other cheek That same spirit that will allow you to exercise self-control if you get your flesh out the way and stop living from your old man which was crucified with Christ and start living out of your new identity which is in Christ. People can talk bad about you and you don't even feel the need to respond because Jesus answered them not a word. You know why? That same spirit lives in you. The problem is Most of us suppress that part of who we are. And we don't allow the Holy Spirit who lives in us to find expression through us. And that's why Paul said it this way, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That word grieve is to extinguish. You know what we do? Holy Spirit wants to help us when we feel a need to retaliate. And instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to find expression through us, our new identity, what we do is we revert to our old identity, which was crucified with Christ. And guess what we do? We extinguish what he wants to do in us. We're going to be talking about this because the truth is you and I have the power. You and I have the power of God living within us to express the fruit of the Spirit. Next week, we're going to start and we're going to talk about love. And I find it curious and I find it rather interesting that when Paul lists the the, the fruit of the Spirit, he starts with love and he ends with self-control. He uses love and self-control as the bookends that hold everything else in place. Because if you don't have love and you don't have self-control, You can forget about peace and patience. You can forget about gentleness and faithfulness. Are y'all with me? And so the church that Jesus is building here at Converge is a church that recognizes the power of God that we have on the inside. And the more we yield to him, he begins to live his life through us. It's no longer about our performance for him. It's about our partnership with him. 
Listen, next week we're going to talk about love. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be lovely. There you go. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Brooks. Give that guy a gold star. Yes, he gets a gold star. <laughs> Any final thoughts as we close? And the band can come. God is good and the devil can go straight to hell. <laughs> Amen. 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 Thank you. Praise the Lord. Don't you appreciate Pastor Eric? Yeah. Awesome, awesome work. He and I are going to be tag teaming uh, over the next several weeks, and, uh, and we will have a couple of other people who will fill in uh, with me and, uh, and for me as well. But this is the invitation on the day of Pentecost that we have is to look more like Jesus. Not in our own effort, not in our own strength, but yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, let's, let's, why don't you pray something and then, uh, and then we'll pray. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you that you did not leave us lost, broken, and dead in sin. But you so loved us mm. and so demonstrated your love for us. Thank you, Lord. That while we were yet sinners, yet enemies with God, Christ died for us. Mm. He died for our sins so that we don't have to die from our sins. Mm. And we thank you, Lord, that not only have we been saved, mm. but we've become children of God. Yes, Lord. Not just servants, not just disciples, mm. but sons. Mm. And thank you that even today, you're not ashamed to call us family. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that we would live our lives mm. bearing the fruit of the Spirit mm. and allowing Jesus to have all the room that he needs yes, Lord. to live his life mm. through us. Mm. Thank you, Lord, for everybody in this room right now. And I thank you that grace and peace would be multiplied to them from God our Father yes. and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Thank you, Father God, for equipping us in this series, God. Mm. Inspiring. Thank you for revelation. Mm. And Father God, that we will never be the same by what we experience here. Thank you, Lord. That you truly will increase and increase and increase more and more. Mm. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, I just come into agreement with, uh, with Pastor Eric's prayer. And Lord, right now, I just feel a burden to pray for our church, uh, for anyone, for anyone who's been burdened, maybe by what they've been taught. They've been taught to perform their way into your approval. Where, God, we've been more like Peter, where we've said, I love God, and I'll never abandon it. And, and, and when you want us to rest, not in how much we love you, but to find peace and rest in how much you love us. God, would you give us a John response in this season? Just to receive your love. And to live from that place. That we might no longer seek or pursue the approval or the affirmation of men 
because we recognize that we are accepted in the beloved, that you already love us. Lord, would you do that in us and through us for your glory? In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Did that help anybody this morning? Glory to God. Listen, next week, we're going to dive into the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to talk about love. Why don't you stand with us as we're dismissed? We're going to discover what the Bible has to say about the love of God. Amen? And how we can walk in love and live victoriously. Would you bless us out, Pastor Eric? The Lord bless you. Amen. Praise God. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yes, Lord you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience, and we look forward to staying connected with you.